Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for pulling your chair up to the virtual cool kids table. So I started this show five and a half years ago, almost with this whole idea that I was going to interview really interesting people who were doing really cool things. And I know one thing is true and I can't get away from it because it's so true. And that is success leaves clues. And so I like to bring on people on the show from a variety of different backgrounds, doing different things. And today's guest, I believe he is a return guest. Uh, I'd have to go back and even look, but I think... I think he's been on the show before. If not, shame on me, because I've been on like all of his shows. So uh, I want to welcome back to the show, Doug Sandler. Doug, you are the king of podcasting, and we're going to wow. talk about that today. So welcome, okay. or I think welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I, I'll accept the welcome back if there was, uh, as, as long as my name isn't Cotter, I will be fine. <laughs> so I think I just eliminated half of your audience. That That's made right. you People are like, I don't know what welcome back Cotter is. So most, most of <laughs> okay. my, most of the listeners I meet are like, you know, in their thirties or early forties. So they don't know what welcome back Cotter was. How, how funny is it whenever you, and I know you, you speak professionally and you host uh, for a living as well. When you ever mention a podcast from stage and you get those people that are probably Probably in their 50s, 60s, or 70s. I'm in my 50s, so I know what a podcast is, but I always get those 60s and 70s plus year olds and thinking, I've never listened to a podcast in my life, so I have no idea how to find you. Well, part of my introduction when I'm the keynote speaker at an event is whoever reads the introduction, it says, you know, Tom is the host of the popular Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast, now five years and over 500 episodes. And it's a, it's a huge credibility tool, but the thing that cracks me up is I'll then talk for an hour about networking or about how to reach your potential. I'm not talking about entrepreneurship. I'm not talking about podcasts. And then I'll say, thank you very much. And people will line up. And if they're over like 55, they'll have their phones in their hand and they'll be like, uh, how do I download a podcast? And I'm like, <laughs> well, at least they've Lisa been waiting for an hour. Your, they've been waiting they for an hour to get it right. They've been for an hour. They've been like, how do I get this podcast thing? And it's like, did you listen to anything I said? No. <laughs> so, so Doug, I'm going to, I'm going to go back here on end stuff. And so you have been, a bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah uh, disc jockey since you were a teenager. Yeah, started in '84. Uh, made the 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 trip over to Washington D.C. from Baltimore in '91, full time in '97, and from '97 to uh, just recently, did it as my only source of income for uh, probably 20 plus years. So, it, so it's interesting because you know, I guess there comes a time where you know a 55 year old disc jockey for a 13 year old's party becomes a little weird, but you a little really, creepy. <laughs> yeah, no, just a little creepy, but you made an absolute, you know, multiple decade career out of leading parties. And then, and for a while, part of a sideline that you did is you started doing sort of business motivational speaking. What's right. the difference between 13 year olds becoming adults in the Jewish faith and business professionals at an association conference? 
honestly not much. <laughs> there really, there really is that. And you, I think you, you kind of knew you were flavor peppering the, uh, you were leading the witness on that one. There really isn't a far, a big difference between um, a 13 year old mentality and a, and a 50 something year old mentality, even including some of the activities that you can do with them. So when I'm in front of a bar mitzvah crowd playing a game like Simon Says, my Simon Says competition is all about just the fun. I have, oh, to, yeah. I have to jump in here because I've seen yeah. you do this at a business event. And I have to say that nobody leads Simon Says in the history of Simon Says. Simon himself couldn't have said it better than Doug does. Well, thanks, Tom. And I appreciate you saying that. Uh, but the reality of Simon Says is regardless of whether you're playing it just for fun or have a business uh, perspective on this. And it really is when I talk about it from a, uh, from a sales perspective, or is it from a management cons- consulting perspective, I always do talk about the, the fact that people say one thing and they do another. And I'm even telling you this from a cultural perspective, I'm telling you this, that I'm going to screw you up. I'm trying to mess you up. And how many organizations are led by leaders that say one thing, but do another and how easy it is. Even when the leader tells you that they're going to do one thing and they do another, your job is going to be to not follow them. It's impossible. You're going to follow what they do, not what they say. Mm-hmm. So my job is to prove that in a very short period of time, I've been, I've done the, the opening kickoff of sales conferences. They give me six minutes and I say, that's great. What am I supposed to do with the other five minutes? Because <laughs> you know? we'll knock everybody out in about 90 seconds. Yeah. It'll take us about 60 seconds to 90 seconds. So there isn't a far, a far cry uh, from, uh, from a kid to a, an adult mentality. So all of the activities do apply. So, but, but really, I mean, you know, you had this, your main career was being the, the DJ at, 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 these, at these teenagers' parties. For decades. For decades, decades. if you will. And then, you, like I said, you put your foot into this stuff, but I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm saying anything nasty. You never were like the most famous, popular business motivational speaker out there. You no. haven't really tipped that to where that took over the business for you. Um, although you do come out of it, it is sort of in your blood because your father is the founder of uh, Sandler Sales Training. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So the, the the transition was really interesting. So I never was, I don't know why, but I never was invited to be a part of my family business. Or maybe <laughs> it was an idea to be a, a part of the family business. My dad, unfortunately, passed away before that came to fruition. And the new owner, I think, maybe felt a little threatened by the fact that my last name is Sandler. And he wasn't a sandler. That would, yeah, that would be really hard to be working side by side with somebody because my initial thought would be like, oh, Doug found it. Look at, I'm here with Doug. <laughs> right. So I, now he would never have told me that. And I, and I'm only, I'm only just kind of thinking that that is the case. I could be completely off base. Maybe there was something about. Maybe, maybe he just hated you, Doug. Or maybe that was it too. So when my dad passed away, and that and that's okay, and you know, different strokes for different folks. So when my dad passed away in the mid '90s, and I was really just ramping up my my uh, my bar mitzvah MC career, and I didn't really want to fight for something that I that I don't uh, didn't th- think was going to be uh, a a position that was going to be easy to step into. So why go in this? Uh, I, I took the path of least resistance, and the path of least resistance was. Would I rather make three to five thousand dollars literally in four hours doing a bar mitzvah, or would I rather struggle through the relationship aspect of building a business with a guy that didn't want to build it with me, or or, or forcing my way into a company? Sure, but you did. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, because that's what your father did. Even if you know he died a while ago, and, and you you weren't that involved with it. I mean, this wasn't a foreign business to you to come no, into the, to the world no. of training, training and speaking. Um, but again, like I said, it, it never you never reached that tipping point where Doug was like. Ooh, Doug's the speaker man. And when I first met you a couple of years ago, you were still doing the bar mitzvah stuff. And all of a sudden your career took off in the last 24 months 
but it wasn't in this speaking side. You, you, (laughs) you had sort of a sideline hobby that you have made into a full career. And, and this is the reason I want to bring you back on the show is I want to talk about this because somebody posted a picture this week on Facebook. I was at, uh, on Sunday night, I was at, uh, well, by the time this airs, it'll be a month and a half ago. Right. I got it. I got it. I was at Austin city limits and the biggest band, all right. They have hundred bands who play over three days and the big name bands and everything. I mean, the, the, the closing keynote band, if you would, was Mumford and son, but really the one that everybody went to see, I mean, it was standing room only kind of a mosh pit, totally crammed up. I mean, 100,000 people at the concert, everybody was pushing to get to see Lizzo. Wow. Everybody was there to see Lizzo. And I couldn't get into the main part, but we ended up going up on the hill on the side. And you overlook this sea of humanity. Like I said, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it was somewhere between 50 and 100,000 people with their cell phones up. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. And the next day, somebody posted a picture on Facebook of this sea of people swaying to Lizzo's music, juxtapositioned next to a picture of Lizzo's performance at Austin City Limits three years ago, and there must be six dozen people <laughs> sitting in folding chairs right, watching right. her perform. And the subtitle was, if at any point in your life you don't feel that you're, you know, you're crushing it, just wait right. three years right. and this could happen. And really, that's what I think of when I think of, of Doug. I'm not saying you weren't successful, but I'm saying that, that. that you were, you know, you were doing your thing. And in the last two years, it's exploded. So can you take us back to where you were two years ago and what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And, and man, Tom, I, I so appreciate you are the even, Lizzo of podcasting. I just I, thought of awesome. That. I love I love the fact that I was even in the on the same sent uh, in the same sentence as somebody that went from having three dozen to, you know, 100,000 followers or whatever. Um, and uh, and humbly, I say, I don't think I've done anything differently, um, you know, from from where I was 30 years ago to what I've done within the last 24 months, with with the exception of I just changed my focus, you know, I just pivoted. So when I reinvented my career back in 2013 to become a professional speaker as opposed to a bar mitzvah MC, I really just wanted to start that the transition. But I had no idea really where my career was going to take me. So I followed what my market wanted. We created the show called the Nice Guys on Business Podcast. And in a relatively short period of time, from 2015 to 2017, the show did okay, but it didn't do, it wasn't like turning my, my speaking business on fire or anything like that. But when we made a small pivot on the way that we focused on our show, instead of building influence and building community, we started really focusing on the monetization side of the business. That's when everybody started to look at us and say, hey, how can you help me as a podcaster build my business so I'm making money from my show? And so we went from this, this company that was selling my speaking and training services because I was doing customer service training and professional speaking and enjoying that, but traveling. And, and you know, you're a guy that's probably put 150 or 200,000 miles a year on your, in, you know, in plane tickets for, for many years in a row. But I, w- I didn't want to do that. That wasn't exciting to me. So I was like, meh, anytime I had to do a, even though it was a good paycheck. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I talked to a lot of people who've tried for many different reasons and many different attempts to get into the speaking industry who yeah. literally get into it and go, oh, you have to, oh. if, if you're going to be successful, you've got to travel like 75 to 125 nights a year. And they're like, oh, I, I didn't really think that through. Yeah. And you get into the groove of that. I mean, that is like, I mean, I think that you really, you really thrive in that kind of environment. You're a fast paced kind of guy. And, and part of it is, is that I really like to be at my house in my pajamas, you know, making money. I wasn't the guy that wanted to, I didn't see any of the glamour in getting in a plane and getting on a stage and talking in front of a hundred or 500 people 
after doing it for about a year or two. And I'm like, holy shit, this is not something that I, I mean, I like it and it's good money. But so when we finally figured out how to make money from our podcast, other podcasters started to come to us and, and we've since launched about a hundred shows in our, you know, in our short, you know, 24 months or, you know, 28 months of, of being in business. And I love the fact that we get some recognition out there in the world as somebody that's actually making a difference in the podcasting space. And you know. I, I mean, I said it on this show, you are the Lizzo of podcasting. I mean, you look at her career in the last two years, it's like, bam, she's the hottest thing out there. That's what I think that, that you have become in the podcasting world. Well, what, what do you think in your opinion? And I hate to turn the tables here and become the interviewer now, but what do you <laughs> think is the reason that the, I mean, her talent didn't change. She's still doing the same thing that she was doing two years ago, but she goes from lawn chairs to, to state stadium. So what is it? Recognition? Uh, people note note her. What is it? You know, I think a lot of it is, is being in the right, the, you know, having the right message for the right time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's finding your audience. I mean, I think as, as a professional speaker, because, because I, much like I was describing, I wasn't describing you as like some loser speaker. I'm the same thing. I've, I've done well, but I'm not like, you know, it's not like I am like the most popular person out on the, the speaking tours. You're making a living and you're enjoying it. And that's what you, that was what your goal was to do, at, right? At, with, with, without question. However, okay, so, yeah. how, however, the thing is, is that at any moment, someone who is good at what they do, it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody who's good at what they do can have a tipping point. And I really believe that. And I think too many people quit things too early and they don't find that way. And they don't find that little niche of, okay, how do I become the it girl or the it guy in what I'm doing? And I think that's the answer to, to what she did. She just worked hard and she was good. She had talent and the stars lined up. I mean, you know, that's just the example that I'm using because it was fresh in my mind from this week. However, when I really look at what you did and the pivot that you made and the, and the, the honesty that it took to say, this isn't yeah. what I, this, this isn't, I've got my ladder against the wrong wall. I talk about that's that a lot it. on this show that's is that it. there's so many people out there who are working hard and doing well, but their ladder's against the wrong wall. And if your ladder's against the wrong wall, you're never going to have that tipping point because your heart ain't in it. And so I think, well, you know, you found something where when you started coaching other and, and consulting other people on how to monetize their podcast and, and make an offer and, and take it into the marketplace the way you do, and you do it so well, when you started sense. doing that, and I sort of knew you, I, I kind of got to meet you about the point this happened. I met you at like step two. However, right. I knew who you were before that. I, you know, I, I stalk everybody who was a speaker for the last <laughs> few years. And, and the thing was, was that your, your heart exploded in it, not yeah. like, not like in like a heart, not like in a Bernie Sanders yeah. kind of way, but in a, not a heart attack, but you had, you blossomed when you started doing this. But you mentioned a couple of things. And I think it's really important as your as your cool things, entrepreneur, cool thing, entrepreneurs do community. Easy for, what do you call easy your community? For, easy what for you, you to say. What do you call them? What do you but, call them? I, well, I don't have an official community name. You gotta but, have a name for your community. They're the cool kids. Okay. The, okay, cool. So they're the cool kids. So there's two things that I think cool kids uh, would probably understand and see if you really focus on what your business is. The, the first thing is, you know, that expression three feet from gold. You know, people oftentimes will quit what they're doing and they're three feet from gold. They just don't know it. So they give up before they actually see their, their true potential. The other thing that I think people do a lot of times is, and you just nailed it a hundred percent and I'm going to use this, it's just they have their ladder against the wrong wall, but they're afraid to climb down the ladder, say, oh, move it to the other wall and say, wow, how much easier is it now? So let's talk about that transition. You climbed down that ladder, you moved it to the other wall. What was that about? 
dude, I was tired. I mean, it was, it was just that <laughs> I was simple. Just old. I was it, over 50 and I'm tired. I was tired. I was tired from traveling. And I'll tell you, there was a, there was a personal moment in my life where, and, and I think you were, I'm sure that you were a part of my life as this was happening, but um, I had a failed relationship. I had a failed marriage. I mean, I came home from a conference we, and my we, wife was we were We were at the conference together. Okay. And, and, and like a week later, I heard through kind of, you didn't call me, but I heard through the grapevine, you, you came home and it was like one of those things in a movie, right? Right, right. Now she said she needed space. I didn't realize space meant getting a divorce. You know, sometimes space means that you're actually going to walk, you know, you're going to go visit your mom or whatever. And it was a new marriage too. It was my second marriage. So I, and it was one of those that I, I got to pick who my next wife was. And I was like, I, not that I didn't get to pick my first one, but you know, I was in the zone. I was my 20 something and I found the what, you know, a, a person that I was really compatible with. And I thought this is a great time in my life to get married. And this is a really cool woman that's, that's entering my life. With the second one, I was like, man, I'm really in love and this was all great. And I, I mean, this was a heartbreaker. So for me, the personal, the personal catalyst of that failed relationship, in addition to, I'm not really loving what I'm doing with my career. I just thought, man, this is this is time for a bold move. And but, I really literally but you put pivoted. that ladder against the other wall and just started climbing. Yeah. Well, that's when when we really understood what we had our hands on with this podcast. And again, the podcast came as a direct result of me writing a book and trying to get some promotion from the book. It had nothing to do with podcasting, you know, getting into the podcasting it's business like this, at all. This show wasn't started to be five years later and 520 episodes. Yeah. Your show was for 50 interviews with 50 people. Right. And just find out, you know, getting out of a rut or getting it, you know, getting more information or maybe just helping you to 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 really understand and unfold where your where your life and your career are going. Yeah, it was it was access to, to interesting people that could be inspiring for me. Yep. And for me, the podcast was just a promotional tool to build, to build a, a business, a business that no, I, I still have it, but it is such a minute part of my income stream now based upon, you know, in, in exchange for, or instead of my, my podcast production business. Yeah. But now, I mean, now you could go talk about, you know, this whole idea of, of being tired and pivoting and moving the ladder. I mean, it's, I like love you it. Have, you just you gave me a, topic. well, you just gave me a whole new idea. If I ever develop a new, another keynote, the keynote will be on how to take your, you know, climb down the ladder and go up and do another wall. Great. I'm going to lose a freaking major deal. I'm going to say, who did you go with? And they're like, Oh, we went with this, this new guy, this new guy who's brand new, who's talking about moving your ladder. I'm like, I'm moving my ladder. That was wait, my line. I'm going to just say, hey, just do me a favor. Just when you go to do a little like research on the speakers, look at the guy that's got 900 versus the guy that's got 90 speeches and they're going to pick you anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's well, all good, man. Like we said on your show, there's something to be said about longevity. But but yeah, so you, yeah, you started so that, this podcast business. Tell, tell everybody what it's about. What do you do? So uh, I think a lot of times people don't really understand what their full goals are when they get into podcasting. They're, they just are, you know, flavor of the day. Let's get a, let's start a podcast because I think it's important to have a podcast, but they don't really understand what they have their hands on. So we, we developed this whole program around an entire system around helping you establish what your goals are. Are you getting in it for community growth, uh, for influence building or to build your bank account? And what's the priority of those three? And we've created systems for each one of those three things to get into podcasting and to be successful. So it really is not about necessarily your audience. If you want to make money, it's about how do you make money and focus on the revenue model that your show has to have. So when people come to you and they talk about, yeah, I want to, you know, do this. And, and you're saying, you know, which of these three areas, what if they don't know, or what if they think it's all those areas plus six others? 
Well, the nice part about it is we go through this concept of launch phase. So we actually have a discovery call where we really do before we put you know a microphone in their face and start talking about who you're interviewing and what you're talking about. I really want to discover that. And if they're not ready to discover that yet, then it's game over. If they if they're ready to really have a, a true conversation around why they want to get into podcasting to begin with. Now, I have a whole bunch of leader questions that I can ask them that will help determine that. But if they really don't know and they can't decide then they're going to need to talk to a business coach to get their head, you know, their head together and their business together. I got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, this is a great segue. I have to thank the sponsor of this episode, who happens to be a competitor of Doug's. <laughs> OK, perfect. And and you know what? I love Doug, but I love love. My I understand. Sponsor. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Doug Sandler. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Doug, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing these days? I guess I'm not doing podcast production anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not after that commercial. <laughs> yeah, I guess game over for me. I mean, shit, how long thank, have they been a sponsor? Maybe well, I need to thank, talk about how to take over your podcast production. <laughs> thank, thank God. Thank God you have that new keynote about putting your ladder against the right oh wall. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I put my ladder up against the wrong podcast here. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even think of the juxtaposition until you were halfway through the explanation. I thought, oh, it's time to talk about this sponsor. Oh, uh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, hey, you know what? We all can't be winning episodes. So this one just tanks. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I there is, you know, there's there is no source. There is no um, uh, 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 podcast scarcity. There's so many people that want to start podcasts. I have no issue with I, I love the fact that you have a podcast producer as a as a sponsor. And thank you for putting that right in the middle of my my full. That was like the zenith of my the, the fulcrum of my excitement when it came to podcasting. You just dumped that there's, commercial. There's nothing like just pulling the rug out from under your guest right like that. <laughs> You know, the, fun, you know the, be, the, be, the best part of this is out there in the world, there are people who would be furious, whether they were whether they were the guest or the sponsor. There are people who who their heads would explode with what just happened. Oh, but that was so funny. I, I know both you and Podfly are probably just like laughing like, oh, boy, that was that was fascinating. That was however, hilarious. Wait, however, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait. Not only did you pull the rug, you also pulled my chair out. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 let's talk about let's let's go down this path. Right. You you really are a big tent person. You really yeah, are, a, yeah. you know, it's, it's not about fighting for slices of the pie. Right, Let's right. build a bigger pie. So I'm a really active member of the National Speakers Association. And the National Speakers Association uh, was founded in the 1970s. And the guy who found it was a, I never, I never met him, but he was a famous professional speaker. And he had, his name was Cavett Robert. And he had a famous saying as he was founding the organization, there were a lot of speakers who were like, why would I want to come and meet with other speakers? They're my competitors. Right. I don't, I'm not going to say a word. They'll steal all my ideas. And Cavett's thing was, let's not fight over pieces of the pie. Let's build a bigger pie. Yeah. And if you look at what happened in the industry, you know, the people didn't hire speakers in the seventies and now everybody hires speakers. And so that's the whole thing. 
saying is you definitely have that personality of let's just bake a bigger pie and everybody take a slice. I totally agree. And what's really funny about it is we have plenty of clients that come to us for that. I mean, we're not a price house. You know, it's it's a race to the bottom if you're somebody that is looking to be the cheapest guy in town. So if you're looking for for inexpensive podcast production, we oh, are not the company. There's, and there's a lot of people out there who will do it. You know, yeah, race to the bottom. Yeah, I don't want to. I do not want to win that race. So yeah. the way that I look at it is that many people, and we have many clients that are like this too. They come to us because they want to understand. They want to get their their head around what their goals are for podcasting. And oftentimes, production companies are just that. They want to do the production. They don't want to help you in the discovery phase. And I think there's a lot uh, a lot to be said about the ability to understand why you're getting into something. So you can you can hire us just to do consulting. And again, we have a bunch of clients that, that use us for the consulting from concept to launch, and then they go find a price house and use and use them for the production. I don't agree with that philosophy, but it, I don't have to agree with it. I still have that part of that pie and I'm happy to have that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what has been the biggest change in your life in the last two years? Jeez, mm, bold moves. Uh, bold business wise, business wise, not the fact that you came home and the furniture was gone. That, well, but but that was all a catalyst. I mean, from a business perspective, I moved from the East Coast. I lived in Baltimore for my entire life for the most part, except for a, a short stretch of time where I lived out of state. And then I moved uh, just recently within the last year and a half, or as of the airing of this, four years, within the last four years, <laughs> no, within the last year and a half, I moved to uh, to Los Angeles where podcasting is at a, at a frenzy right now. And, and in fact, if you move to Los Angeles, they actually meet you at the border and say, wait a minute, before you can sign a lease to live somewhere... Do you have a podcast? Because we don't want you here if you're not podcasting. Well, I'll tell you, they don't make it very easy to register your car or your motorcycle here. So or insurance or health care or anything. And the state the state uh, tax rate is freaking ridiculous. So anyway, <laughs> um, my co- corporation, needless to say, is in Texas and in Baltimore. Just that's okay. And if the IRS comes to check on that, it's for legitimate reasons because I actually do have residences in those places in a business location. So, um, yeah, from from that perspective, bold moves. My business took a, a complete change. We went from one wall to another wall. We went from the from primary income in professional speaking and consulting to uh, to podcast production and podcast consulting from that perspective as well. And it's been uh, it's been great. So for me, that has been the biggest thing that we've done, completely revamped, rechanged, and created a system for, for podcasting. Well, you know, I, I think it's great because one of the things I believe in is, is you're never too old to reinvent. And so I love to see people our age, you know, who are a little bit more seasoned, a little bit of gray around the temples, who are able to embrace change because so many people are scared of it. I mean, I talk to people all the time. My motto when I turned 50 became, I was going to make 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And, you know, the comment I add behind that is I had a good life. Yeah, I wasn't running from anything, but uh, I just decided I was going to say yes more often. And that's how I ended up, you know, taking up stand up comedy. I took up running. Uh, I'm just, you know, my wife and I are uh, going to go to New York and, and do, you know, a, a vacation just kind of on a whim for five nights uh, where otherwise I would have been like, oh, can we afford it? We're going to do this. It's like, nah, we'll figure right. it out. And so I think that there's a lot of little pieces that kind of chunk along um, when, when you're willing to sort of reinvent. So, so totally agree. So what do you think? then for like people who feel like that ladder's against the wrong wall, what do you think they should do besides, you know, like having their spouse leave them? What, what would be a better way to do this? Yeah. God forbid. You never want that to happen. If you can avoid that, it's very expensive proposition to begin with. Um, (laughs) 
but my advice for somebody that is really feeling like they're not in the right career or heading down a path that they really don't didn't see foresee themselves to be in over the last you know couple of decades or even for several years, I would say that we have this one, you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the one life that we have to live. And if you're not living it in, in a happy state, then you need to figure out what's the next thing. I would encourage you not to just, you know, jump out and, uh, and leave your, your steady paycheck at a corporate job and you're making 50 or $60,000 a year and you're trying to figure out you wouldn't, you want to scare the shit out of yourself. Just go ahead and leave that job and try to make a living doing something else. Fortunately, I've never been in that, that position because I've always been an entrepreneur. But I would say create whatever is that next step in your life. Give yourself plenty of time. Do what Tom did. I love the idea of starting a podcast or at least doing interviews or blog posts or interviewing people that are interesting that would potentially help you follow that path. Number one, you get great information. Secondly, you get a free coach when you interview somebody to help you do that. And I think that you've said that a number of times that you've gotten some great coaching from people that have been guests on your show. Oh, I mean, my whole, uh, you know, the last two years, I've been speaking about this gap between potential and performance. Half of the content has been written because I ask everyone who comes on the show this question I'm going to ask you. And that is, so Doug, you know, you've seen a lot of entrepreneurs. You've been an entrepreneur. Your dad was an entrepreneur. You've seen people fail. You've seen people succeed. There is, though, for all of us, a gap that exists between the potential we have inside us and the performance, the, the success, the results that we have. How come you think, what do you think is the reason that some people fly across that gap and just keep going and other people fall into the abyss? What's the deal? Well, you know, I'm going to go back to a quote that, that Gary Shandling said, and, and I wrote on chapter one of my book, Nice Guys Finish First. And it's, if you don't think nice guys finish first, you don't know where the finish line is. And let me relate that to that gap that you said, why people fly across that gap. And some people have a tough time kind of leaping over that gap. If you don't focus on the gap, but you look in the distance, you know, I ride a motorcycle and they say, when you ride a motorcycle, look in the distance, don't look right in front of your wheel because wherever you are looking, you are going to go. And if you're not paying attention, uh, you could really get into some serious trouble, especially on a motorcycle. If you don't even think that the, you know, when you're playing a, a water hole on a golf course and the water is off to the left and you are driving straight down the fairway, and I'm not a golfer, but I had been at one point in my life. If you don't focus on the water, you are not going to go in the water. So stop focusing on that freaking gap and just know that just keep going forward. That's the best way to avoid the gap and to get over it as quickly as possible. You're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I didn't even realize I went over the gap. Hey, the last question I'm going to ask you, and this is a new question. I kind of have to look over on my notes. We're not using my regular script for this thing. But <laughs> this is a little impromptu gathering. Right is, here. Yeah, we just sort of did. The, you, you interviewed me and I said, stick around. Um, so the new question I've been asking everybody who comes on the show, and it's just starting out in a couple of episodes that this might, this one actually might air first. The others, you might air before the other two that I've asked this of already. But how important do you think it is for an entrepreneur to number one, trust themselves and their instincts, and number two, to like themselves? Ooh, really, really great questions there. Okay, so let me start with the second one. How, is, how important is it for you to like yourself? Well, if you don't like yourself, how the hell are you ever going to like anybody else? So I would say you absolutely, absolutely have to like yourself. You have to appreciate and respect where you are. Um, you know, some of our clients, we have to feel like we've got to meet them where they are. We aren't, they aren't us. And if, if that client isn't you and if, or if you don't relate to what's going on in your life, I would say start to work on you. There are so many opportunities for you to go through self-improvement, whether it's a, a seminar or a retreat, figure out what it is that you need to get in your life to make yourself happy so that you can like yourself. And a lot of times it is related to 
the happiness that you have in a relationship, the happiness that you have in a, in your work environment. If you're not happy there, you, you are not going to, to like yourself. And give me the first question again. How important is it to sort of trust your instincts and yourself? Oh, you got to. God is everything. Gut is everything. You, you'll probably guess nine times out of 10 correctly if you just go with your gut. And that comes in from a, a lot of perspective of, of, um, of job, relationship, uh, just your happiness. Yeah, I would say trust your gut. That's, that's a, from an entrepreneur's side, uh, that's really the only thing that we have before we have anything that's concrete. And, you know, today I trusted my gut because we finished the interview for your podcast and my gut said, keep him on the line, switch it around, do an interview for cool things entrepreneurs do. And I think, I think that you just dropped a bunch of nuggets. I said at the beginning, success leaves clues. I think there's a lot of people who are running around picking up clues from this episode. So, Doug, thanks for coming on the show. If somebody, if somebody listened to this and they're like, I, I must know more of this Doug Sandler, how do they find you? Yeah, best thing is just to check out my website. It's uh, turnkeypodcast.com. And if you have interest in doing a, a new beta program that we have for our DIY, just uh, turnkeypodcast.com forward slash DIY. You have a free, um, uh, you know, a whole bunch of free bonuses included in there too. And and you've got three podcasts that I know of. You've got the Turnkey Podcast, which oh, is new. You've got the Nice Guys, the Nice Guys on Business podcast. And you've yep. got, what's the Mustang one? Ford Mustang, the early years podcast, Human with Resources. That's another podcast I host for an outside company. Uh, the BizWiz podcast for short format entrepreneurs and the SEDX podcast, which is for people aspiring to have TEDx talks and uh, and want to practice a little on our show. Oh, yeah. I've been on the SEDX show. I remember that show. Yeah, that's right. That's probably what we're thinking. I was I, looking yeah, for Earlier, I thought I'd been on Nice Guys twice, but I bet I was on SEDX once and then Nice Guys. Hey. Let's talk about that Mustang show. It's Ford Mustang, the early years. When you and I were together about, I don't know, a month or two ago, you mentioned that podcast and I just did a little throwaway line that yeah. my, my first car was a 66 Mustang and I now drive a 2014. And a week later, you interviewed me on that show. That must be the most downloaded episode of the Mustang show was interviewing the one guy who wasn't in the car restoration business, <laughs> but a guy, who, a guy who had owned, owned one 30 years ago and didn't even own it. My brother owned it. And all we did was talk about how my brother took the car away and broke my heart. Well, as of the air, as of the airing of this, your episode here, probably later in the year, we'll probably have about 25 or 30 episodes of that. We've only had three people on it that weren't in the Mustang industry. You know, two other guys that were enthusiasts and you as a previous car owner. I think you're the only current episode running that is of a, of a guy that didn't, that owned a previous classic Mustang, but does not currently own a classic Mustang. So. Congratulations to your accolade, you know. But the 2014, give it 50 years and that will be, that will be a classic Mustang. I know. I love it. And again, proof to the, proof to the, um, to the, uh, to the, to the statement that you don't have to have a big audience to have a, uh, to have a popular show. You could have a small audience. You could have a niche show and, and Ford Mustang, the early years is a niche show, but, uh, but you do a good job with it. So thank you very much. Hey, Doug, thanks for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we even do this? This is all about you. Uh, I think Doug just named you the cool kids. Cool kids. I was going to say, thanks, cool kids. Yeah. Thanks. There you go. Uh, keep tuning in. If you like the show, go back into the archives. There's, you know, 500 plus more shows back backwards and there's going to be a lot more coming out. So tune in every couple days. We'll have an interview with somebody just as cool as Doug. You're thinking, Tom, how will you ever find anyone as cool as Doug? Never. But I will. And uh, <laughs> and then finally, go out there, move your ladder to the right wall, try something new. And while you're at it, have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.